I want to talk tonight to, everybody can listen, but um, I want to talk to, uh, to those of you who are, are just about to make a transition. Uh, the fall times, going back to school times, going off to college time. And I want to help you with that. I want to help you prepare for that. And um, I, um, I, I'll never forget, it was a good man, a faithful man in our church, and, and his children were some of the most mild-mannered kids uh, they ever knew. They, they were not uh, super involved in our youth department or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not saying that. That's just observation. Anyway, they, they, were, they were faithful at church. And, uh, and, um, but anyway, but, uh, uh, this man's not, I've never seen him be an emotional man. He's a steady man. And his son went off to college and, um, he came to my office after the first semester. His son came home for Christmas time and told his dad, he said, everything you ever told me about creation, all that stuff, it's all a lie. He said, I know better now. I don't believe in all that now. One semester. One semester. And that dad stood in my office and wept. I've never seen him cry. I've been his pastor for years. Never saw him cry one time, and he wept in my office. And um, so I want to I want to speak to young people. I want to speak to you tonight. It's not a preachy kind of a message, but it's just some practical advice that I want to give you. I want to be your counselor tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 2, please. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. We're going to read the first three verses together in this great text. Paul, the aged man, is writing to a young man whom he calls his son in the faith, somebody he's invested in, made a difference in their life. And he challenges him in these first three verses of 2 Timothy chapter number 2. We'll read these uh, first three verses of the chapter together in unison. And I'm going to ask you again to stand out of respect for the Word of God. If you respect the book and you're able to, stand up and show your respect for the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter number 2 and verses 1, 2, and 3. And we'll read these verses together in unison. Together. Ready? Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I'll make note of a few other things in this chapter, but this is a great challenge from the aged man of God to the young man of God. And he tells them, basically here's what he says. Look at this, in verse number 2, I want to draw your attention here. Verse number 2, there's four generations mentioned in this verse. There's the author himself, the Apostle Paul. And he says, the things that thou hast heard of me. So the me there is the writer, that's the Apostle Paul. The thou in the first line there, the things that thou is the one to whom he's writing, that's Timothy. So the things that thou hast heard of me, there's one generation to another. Among many witnesses, the same, and here's what he's saying. He said, you haven't just seen it me, but a lot of other people have testified to you, young Timothy, that these things are true. He said this, he said, the same commit thou to faithful men. So there's a third generation. And then he says, who shall be able to teach others also. 
Four generations here. So, Calvin, jump up here for just a minute, if you would, and we'll let you be the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul, you're on that end because you're, you're Paul. And uh, so the Apostle Paul, and he says to Timothy, he said, uh, uh, Timothy, the things uh, that thou, Timothy, hast heard of me. So there's generation one, Paul, and generation number two, Timothy. He said, the same commit thou to faithful men. I'll represent that generation. Who shall be able to teach Others also. You see that? Paul said, what I've given you, Timothy. Now, Timothy, you need to be investing in some men who have the potential to teach other men. Four generations. We'll speak to you on the subject tonight. Pass it on. Pass it on. Father, we love you. We need you. May the faith that's represented in this room tonight, moms and dads, grandparents, Young people who believe in Thee and believe in Thy Word. We're here tonight, Lord. We're sincere. We want to live for Thee. And Lord, may that faith be multi-generational. May it be passed on in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, Paul. Most of you heard this story, and I won't go through the details again, but my grandmother... uh, my biological grandfather was an al- was an al- was a drunkard, and uh, and he uh, but he got saved and um, he lived for the Lord. He was clean and sober, lived for the Lord, went to church for six months, and then God took him. My grandmother believes he committed the sin and the death. They left the will of God. God chastised him, and uh, in refusing to come back where he ought to be, God took him to heaven early. And um, so uh, my grandmother prayed for my dad, and she did not tell him this till he was many years in ministry. He was probably, I think, if I've got this right, uh, uh, 25 years or more in ministry uh, before she told him that uh, while she carried him in the womb, she said, Lord, please make my, uh, I, don't, I, I don't want a boy, but if I have a boy, I want him to be a preacher. Well, she had a boy, so she said, God, make him a preacher. Make him a preacher. Make him a preacher. I don't want him to be like his dad. And my dad was just a toddler when his dad was killed. And uh, again... Uh, the, the, taking that, uh, what my grandmother uh, believed that his uh, faith in Christ was genuine. That Paul genuinely got saved. Paul Shook was his name, and uh, that he's with the Lord. But uh, but he he committed the sin unto death and ran from God, and God took him to heaven early. And so she prayed. She prayed that God would make my dad a preacher, and she didn't tell him that. She wanted to be called of God, I guess. But she didn't tell him that. But years later, after he went, he went to Christian college. His pastor invited him said, you ever thought about going to Christian college? No, not really. And took him down. And you've heard him tell that story. And I've told it. Went to Bob Jones University. And, um, and there, in the first semester, God called him to preach. He was getting a business degree. And, uh, man, I wish you got that business degree. We'd have had a lot more money at our house if we... No, just kidding. But anyway... But he surrendered his life. Amen? I'm so glad. Isn't that wonderful? By the way, that young man's decision in his first semester of college is the reason that we're all here. An 18-year-old young man. Listen, listen. An 18-year-old young man who said yes to the will of God is the reason we're all here tonight. Humanly speaking. You understand that, right? Not saying you wouldn't be saved, I wouldn't be saved, we wouldn't be in church somewhere. But we're here in this place tonight because, uh, I don't know how many, but some years ago, 
An 18-year-old young man said yes to the will of God. Now, young people, listen to me carefully. The decisions that you're making right now at this stage of life will affect generations to come, whether you realize it now or not. Your decisions now will affect generations to come. I'm so glad I had a godly grandmother and that she prayed and God heard her prayers and her son surrendered his life to the Lord and God made him a preacher. Amen. I'm glad I grew up in church. I was going to church nine months before I was born. Amen. And uh, anyway, I'm so thankful for that. Amen. I'm so thankful for that. And uh, and I'm thankful. Uh, my children. I'm glad my children come to church. Amen. I'm so glad they come. Amen. And uh, uh, I invite every week. I invite girls. We like to go to church. Well, Dad, I no. <laughs> we've never had such a discussion. And now then, now then, uh, we've got another other generations coming up, and the grandchildren are starting to spring up. And uh, and now then, uh, Dad's uh, Dad's uh, grandchildren. Are having children. Amen? So, listen, I don't know how many generations is that? I say, grandmother, grandpa, people. <laughs> next one, next one, next one. Did I count that right? Let's see, let's see. Sorry, excuse me while I do a little math here. Miss uh, Dorothy Stallings, your mother, Grandpa Shook, Preacher Shook, me and my siblings, our kids. And now our kids are having children. Five generations. Five generations. Thank you. Sorry. Higher math was never my forte. But five generations. Amen. Hey, listen. Can I say this? Uh, young people that are here, children that are here, there ought to be something inside of you that says, I want my faith to be passed down. Amen. Multi-generational faith. That's what I want. And Paul was telling this to Timothy. He said, Timothy, I've invested in you and others have invested in you. Timothy had a godly grandmother. Timothy had a godly mother. His dad, as far as we know, was not a believer, but he had a godly uh, mother and he had a godly grandmother and invested uh, in Timothy. Paul said, I've invested in you, your mom, your grandmother, and others, many witnesses, uh, many others testified of these things, and, and we've invested in you. Now, Timothy, don't you just sit on what's been given you. Now, you do something with it. You pass it on. You carry it on to the next generation. And Paul called Timothy his son in the faith. Paul invested in Timothy. And let me say this. Every Christian here, listen. If you've been saved for a while, you ought to have a Timothy. You ought to have somebody you're investing in. Somebody you're not... I'm not talking about witnessing. Yes, getting folks saved. Witnessing, sharing the gospel. Yes, I'm talking about more than that. I'm talking about investing in them and helping them to grow. You may want to call it discipleship. Whatever you want to call it. Teaching them. Every believer ought to be teaching somebody else. Amen. That's a commencement part of the Great Commission. The Great Commission isn't, isn't fulfilled when someone gets saved. That's just the first part of it. Hey, you're supposed to go to the bachelor next. You're supposed to sit around and teach them some things. Amen. That's the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And so pass it on. Uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, to whom are you passing it on? Who are you teaching? Who are you teaching? Who did you teach some truth from the Bible this very week? Who? Where? When? Now, wait a minute, listen. If you're not obeying that command, if I'm not obeying that command, then that means, how many of you say, I had a godly mom, a godly dad, I had a godly parent or grandparent 
that invested in me. Raise your hand up in there like that. A godly parent, a grandparent. All right. How many had a godly bus worker somewhere on the line invest in you? Put your hand in the air and wave it at me. All right. How many have a godly Sunday school teacher that, that, that invested in you? Put, put up there and wave it at me. How many had a godly teacher somewhere? Uh, a teacher that loved the Lord and invested in you? Wave, wave it at me like that. All right. Now listen. Hey, listen. Hey, if you aren't passing something along, guess what? It stops with your generation. This is a personal a responsibility for all of God's people. Amen. And by the way, kids, you don't have to wait until you're, you, you grow up. You, children can do this. Amen. Children can pass it on. And pass it on. Pass us what he's saying. Let your faith become multi-generational. Oh, I'm so glad for a grandmother that prayed. Amen. And, and a, a mom and a dad that loved the Lord and loved each other and brought us up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I'm very thankful for that. I love growing up in the Christian home. And I want to challenge you. Some of you are in a transition time now. And it's easy to trip. It's easy to trip. Walking up steps, that's where you might trip. Why? It's a transition. Transition. Going from one place to another. One elevation to another. A transition time. I want to help you. Many of you are going to Christian colleges. Not all of you, but some of you. Most of you, I would say, probably going to Christian colleges. And uh, wherever you're going. Wherever you're going. Maybe you're, maybe, uh, maybe you're going locally. That's great. Stay in church. Amen. By the way, if you're going to go... Let me just give you some advice, some unsought advice. Uh, let me shepherd you for a minute. If you're going to go to a secular institution, let me recommend you stay... You find one close enough to your home church where you can stay in church. Amen. It may be that whatever your vocation or something, you may feel that's, that's what you need to do and you, you need to get, uh, uh, go to a secular institution. All right. Uh, if that's what you're going to do, okay. But you make sure you stay in church. Amen. I'll tell you something else Let me, while I'm at it. I would never recommend you go live in the dorms of a secular institution. Amen. And if you don't know why, let me introduce you to a few folks that have. And I'm just saying what you better do. You better think about this. You better think about where am I going to go to church? Where am I going to go to church? I, I, where, who are my Christian friends going to be? Now, let's, let's go on here. Let me give you some things uh, tonight. These are not in any particular order. And I got 82 of them, so I got to get busy. <laughs> Number one, young people, don't abandon what you've been taught. Build on it. Don't abandon what you've been taught. Build on it. Don't abandon what you've been taught. Build on it. Look what he says here in this same chapter, uh, uh, in uh, in Second uh, Timothy, and uh, excuse me, uh, the next chapter, chapter three, Second Timothy, chapter three. Look across the page there, perhaps, and verse number fourteen. Paul's writing this young man, and he says, "But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them." And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Young people, look at me. You've been blessed to be in a good church. You've been blessed to be in a free nation. You've been blessed to have parents and uh, and, and probably others, teachers, who've invested in you. Sunday school teachers, bus workers invested in you. And now listen, uh, you come to a life transition. Some of you are on the threshold of young adulthood. Don't abandon what you've been taught. Build on it. Amen? Build on it. Don't listen. I said, I paid a little tribute to this this morning. Don't go off somewhere and find some smart aleck who thinks because he got a piece of paper hanging on his wall. I almost bought my pieces of paper with me tonight. I'm, I'm proud of them. Not because, uh, the reason I'm proud of them because it took a lot of work to get them. Amen. Took a lot of work to get those papers hanging on the wall. And, and, and the discipline, by the way, the discipline of that is good for a young person. At least it was for me. 
as an 18-year-old young man. But anyway, uh, but, 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 but that piece of paper on the wall does not make me smart. I was already smart. <laughs> now, no, smart Alec. That doesn't make you smart. Now, so it means, uh, and by the way, it doesn't necessarily mean you, you, somebody put facts in your head. It may mean you've you got a good search engine on your computer. <laughs> anyway, that's another subject. But don't abandon what you've been taught. Build on it. Build on it. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. Let me give you another thought. Number two. Young people that are here, if you've grown up in this church especially, you are better prepared than we were at your age. There's always some trepidation at this stage of life, some nervousness, a little, there's something new, you know, what's going to happen and, and uh, how's this going to go. But let me just say, young people, let me give you a little confidence. I believe, truly, I believe, especially young people that are growing up in this church, I believe you are better prepared for this stage of life than, than most all of us that are here as your leaders. I think most everybody else would say the same thing. They, the, the opportunities you've had, the things you've learned, the things you've been taught, the things that some of you have, have experienced and done for Christ, you are better prepared than we were at your age. Now, here's why I'm telling you that. Don't squander your inheritance. Don't you squander the opportunities that God has given you. What did the prodigal son say? He said, give me what is mine. And what did he do? He went right off into the far country and he blew it. He wasted. The word prodigal actually means wasteful. That's what it means. He wasted what was given to him. Now, young people, listen to me. Listen, listen. If you've grown up in a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, and you've had folks pray over you and weep over you and teach you and have the opportunity, some of the greatest servants of God alive today have been in this pulpit and encouraged our hearts and challenged our hearts. And listen, my Bible says in Luke 12, 48, To whom much is given, much shall be required. To whom much is given, much shall be required. Listen, we have an inheritance. And I'm talking about something greater than dollar bills. I'm talking about an inheritance of truth and genuine love and and tears and prayers of God's people and time and investment of time. Don't you squander that inheritance. David said, I lines fell into me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. I have a goodly heritage. Listen, I don't know about you. But I don't want to break my mom and dad's heart. I said, I don't want to break my mom and dad's heart. Now, you look, young people look at me, and I'm dead serious what I'm getting ready to say. You listen to me right now. You might as well go get you a knife and sharpen it and plunge it into your mom and dad's heart as to walk out on those things that you know to be true and turn your back on this book right here and jump into the cesspool of perversion that this world is courting you with. Hey, you listen to me. Don't you squander your inheritance. Listen, a person that dies uh, uh, on a foreign field somewhere uh, that never had an independent Baptist church and a soul-winning church never had a missionary. Listen, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament short of the handiwork. God sends light to everybody. And as a man responds to that light, God gives him more light. But you listen to me. If my Bible is true, the Bible says that that, that some of those wicked cities, uh, 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 Sodom and Gomorrah, will will fare better on Judgment Day than those cities like Bethsaida and cities like Capernaum where Jesus Christ woke and did His miracles. And that teaches something about our accountability. Listen to me. The severity of judgment from God does not come by how bad your sin was. It comes at uh, by this measurement. How much? much light did you reject? Hell hath enlarged itself, the Bible said. There are degrees of punishment in hell. 
You listen to me. Hell is hot for anybody that goes there. But I guarantee you hell is worse for somebody who dies and goes to hell where there is as much light as there is in this country. You fancy yourself wiser than God saying, well, I don't think anybody should have to go to hell. Let me tell you something, my dear friend. God has given us His own darling Son and made provision for the whole world to be saved. And we have rejected Him. And you can't blame anybody else because you rejected Him just like Adam and Eve, just like I did. By His grace and mercy, which none of us deserve. Why did He give us more light? Why did He give us more grace? I don't know. We don't deserve it. We're no better than anybody else anywhere else on the earth. But God has given us. we got Bibles upon Bibles. We have truth upon truth. You can turn on the radio. And you can hear the Word of God. In this country, there is so much light. And if you reject the light from this country, heavy, heavy, heavy hangs over your head. To whom much is given, much shall be required. Don't squander your inheritance. Number three. This is very practical. Wherever you go, be friendly to everyone, but be guarded in your close friendships. Be friendly to everyone, but be guarded in your close friendships. Now, we're going to come back to 2 Timothy in just a moment, but, but I want you to go up back a few uh, pages to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to come, come back here to 2 Timothy in a moment, but... Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Let me expound on this thought for just a moment. I said, be friendly to everyone, but be guarded in your close, close friendships. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul is writing in, in the first, Corinthians, uh, first letter to the Corinthian church. And it's, it's a hot letter. I mean, it is, it's a scathing letter. He calls them, he calls them baby Christians, calls them carnal, fleshly. Uh, there was division, there was immorality in the church, there was misuse of the gift of tongues, and, among other things. And... Uh, and Paul's straightening them out. It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, a tough pill for them to swallow. One of the things that he deals with in verse number 9, look at it with, with me. He says in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 9, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Now he qualifies, now he clarifies this. Yet not altogether with fornicators of this world. Look at it for just a second. Just a moment. Paul said, I wrote to you earlier and I've warned you about... Hanging around. If, listen, young people, if you want to keep your morals, don't hang around immoral people. If you want to keep your morals, don't hang around immoral people. But then he comes back and he, first, he wants to qualify what he wrote. He said, but not fornicators of this world altogether. He, he's, not, he's not talking about uh, 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 go and, and, and get you a little commune somewhere and just all the people that are saved and sanctified and all that and all live in a little commune and don't go out there because there's fornicators everywhere, there's wicked people everywhere. No, no, he said, no. We are in this world, but of this world, the Bible would tell us. And he said, so not altogether with fornicators of this world or with, look at verse 10 again, yet not altogether with fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters. For then you must needs go out of the world. Look at me for just a while. How many of you, how many of you, how many of you work, be careful here. How many of you, how many of you have ever worked with, uh, some folks who might fit in some of these categories? Immoral, uh, liars, cheaters, covetous, uh, uh, have other gods before the Lord. How many of you ever, ever worked with them? All right. Well, if this, if we, uh, uh, interpret this verse strictly, then we're not supposed to be around anybody, you have to quit your jobs. But that's not what he's talking about. But look what he said in verse 11. But now I have written. He said, I want to make this clear to you. 
But now have I written unto you not to keep company if any man that is, look at it, called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such an one know not to eat. Here's what he's saying. He said, look, he said, I wrote to you before, be careful you hang around. Don't hang around a bunch of immoral people, uh, adulterous people, fornicators. Don't hang around them. And then he said, but I want to clarify that. I, I don't mean uh, uh, that you, you, you don't spend any time with folks like that. He said, but here's what I'm saying. You don't spend time with people who pose as dedicated Christians and say, hey, my brother, hey, God bless you, my brother, my sister in Christ. Uh, that's the person that you need to watch out for. That's what God is saying. We are supposed to go into all the world. Jesus, as he walked on this earth, was accused of being friends of sinners. A lady of ill repute came in and in repentance a broken alabaster box and anointed his feet. And the Pharisees and the critics says, well, if he knew what kind of wicked woman she was, he would, he would rebuke her. Uh, he knew exactly who she was. Jesus Christ ate with publicans. He ate with sinners. He had meals with people he was trying to reach. Now listen to me. That's not the same thing as, hey, let's go have a brewski together. That's not the same thing as, hey, let's go hang out together. No, sir. What, what God is saying is that you do not spend casual social time with this group of folks. Railers, idolaters. Listen, some guys, are, uh, 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 some guys got a potty mouth. Some guy can't, can't string two sentences together without cursing and swearing. You be kind to him. You be friendly to him, but you don't hang out with him. Somebody's a, 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 a railer. Some, somebody's a, 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 always in, in a scuffle with somebody, a railing on somebody, criticizing, always in a fight. The Bible says you be kind to him, you respect him, you honor all him, but you don't hang around him. You don't spend casual social time with him. Somebody is in known a sin, in, 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 in a, 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 a fornication, involved in sexual sin. You are kind to them, you respect them and honor them. They're made in the image of God. God's people not to mistreat anybody, but you do not hang out with them. You don't go get coffee with them unless you're trying to win somebody to Christ. But somebody says, well, I'm like you, I'm a believer. And you listen, that's the person, Paul said, you don't stay around with that crowd. Be friendly to everyone, but be guarded in your closest friendships. Ask yourself these questions. Is this friend going to help me or hinder me? You know, the right kind of friend will bring you closer to God, not further away. Uh, uh, Where is this person headed in his life? And am I headed where he's headed? I remember, and you've heard this before, I'm sure most of you. But anyway, uh, once a very dear friend to me. But our paths went different directions. And um, we, we started off, and we were in Bible college together. And uh, both had announced our call to ministry. But anyway, our lives began to go two different directions. And uh, after a few years, we had great love and still have a great love for each other. But anyway, our lives went two different directions. And I remember I was coming home, uh, back to my hometown for a short time, maybe in the summer or something like that. And uh, we called and, uh, and said, hey, let's meet up and let's, uh, let's go over to this restaurant. Let's get a hot dog and some fries. And so we did. And we met at the restaurant. Now then, by this time, it's been a couple of years since we parted company. And I'm all in trying to get my classes done and, 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 and trying to graduate and, and, uh, and, and uh, prepare for the will of God for my life. Man, I'm working a bus route trying to win people to Christ every week. And, uh, and, and, and he was just going a different direction. And um, we made a, got us a hot dog and fries and sat down at a little table together in, in a little diner. And after about five minutes, 
Maybe, maybe 10. I don't remember if he said it. I don't remember if I said it. But I remember this conversation we had. One of us said, it's not working, is it? And the other said, no, not really. Well, I guess I'll just go on then. All right, me too. I love you. I love you too. You know what I found? We didn't have anything in common anymore. Our lives were going two different directions. I still loved him, still cared about him. But the things he wanted to talk about, I didn't want to talk about. The things I want to talk about, he didn't want to talk about. Listen, you be careful. Be friendly to everyone. Be kind to everyone. Respectful. But you be guarded in your close friendships. Your spirit will be like those with whom you associate. You kids are going off to Bible college. I've got a question for you. Where are you going to sit in chapel? The back row? Who are you going to sit with? Smart Alec? Rule breakers? Who are you going to sit with? Amen. Number four, don't hide out in a larger ministry. Don't hide out in a larger ministry. Some of you that are going to prepare for, for uh, ministry work are going to go to a ministry that's more complicated and larger than this ministry is. And listen to me, uh, you, you can fall into something in a larger ministry and that is it's easier to hide in a larger ministry. You can sort of blend in and not be accountable and not have some place you're supposed to be. There's so many people. You could just sort of fade in somewhere and hide out, if you will. Now, you listen to me. Don't you listen. If you're here in this ministry and you're going off to prepare yourself. Now, listen carefully to this. If you're here in this ministry and you're going off to prepare yourself, you ought to leave where you are and go where you're, God is sending you next. And you ought to jump in with all fours and be involved in the local church. Listen, the, the reason your pastor advises you to find and prepare for ministry, go to a school that's run by a local church. Go to a school that's run by a local church. How in the world do you prepare? It's like going to dental school to learn how to be a heart surgeon. It makes no sense. If you want to learn how to do local church ministry, you need to find a college run by a local church. Amen? Anyway, so that being settled... When you go, if you're here and you're involved and you're singing and you're working a bus route and you're soul winning, you're working at a little, teaching a little class, don't go, don't go somewhere. That's well, they got plenty of people here and they don't really need me. Let me tell you something. If you find you a broom and you find you a street and you find you a pocket full of gospel tracts and you stay as busy where you're going as you were when you were here. Amen. Don't you hide out in a larger ministry. Number five, get what you came to get. If you're going to school, get what you, what you went to school to, go, to, to get. Amen? Get a degree. You know what that's going to require? Go to class. Go to class. Go to class. You know what that's going to require? Get out of bed. You know what get out of bed is going to require? It's going to require you to come home and go to bed. So listen to me very carefully. When your friends want to stay out after curfew and drink coffee till 1 o'clock in the morning, you say, God bless you, I love you, I got an 8 o'clock class. You go home, you get, you go to bed. I said, you go home and you go to bed. And you get up next morning and you go to class. Amen? You go and accomplish what God sent you there to accomplish. Go to class. Uh, uh, Do the work. Keep the rules. Don't you hang around rule breakers. The, uh, 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 get what you can, you know what else you, you're going to get? You're going to get the influence of godly people. Listen, some of you are going to some very fine ministry, some great churches with great leadership to train for ministry work. Now don't miss the influence of the godly people that you're going to be around. Take the initiative to be around them. I remember somebody said this, I was a freshman sitting in Bible college, freshman 
in chapel. And somebody said, look, find some folks you, you admire that God is using in a great way and ask the Lord to let you get close to them. And sitting in, that resonated me in one of those early chapels. And I said, Lord, I would love to be close to Dr. Ray Young. I love him. I admire him. I, he doesn't know who I am from Adam, but I admire him, and I would like to be close. And do you know God answered that prayer? And uh, pretty soon I was working closely on a weekly basis with him in the ministries. And now they, and he'll be here in a few weeks, do some training for our staff, preaching on a Wednesday night. And, and he's one of my dearest friends. He's one of my dearest friends. Dr. Ray, listen, that's what you all do. You kids, listen, you young men that are going to go to Commonwealth Baptist College, don't go four years to Commonwealth Baptist College and leave without a relationship uh, uh, with the pastor. You say, well, Brother Hugus, he's, 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 uh, he, he's busy. Uh, let me tell you something. He's not too busy for those who want his influence. You know, listen, wherever you go, where God sends you, you get around those who can influence you. You need their influence. You need their influence on your life. And so go and get what you're there to get. The influence of godly people. Uh, other ministries. Get involved. Uh, uh, listen, hey, you, young people, listen. You college students, listen. Don't skip your bus route. Let me just, I'm going to stay here till I can start getting some amens. I said, don't skip your bus route. If you're in a music group, show up to practice. If you're in the choir, be in the choir every week of the world. Amen? I, I mean, I mean, be involved. And, uh, and stay with it. Uh, let me give you the next thing here. Number six. Only got 81 to go. Number six. I got just a handful left. Don't get don't get new things at the expense of what you already have. I begin by saying this: don't abandon what you what you've been taught, but build on it. But here I want to say this: don't get new things at the expense of what you already have. Don't get new things at the expense of what you already have. All right, look, young people, listen to me. Don't trade your testimony for a diploma. Don't trade your testimony for a diploma. It, listen, it, especially any of you who are going to a secular institution, let, let me, let, listen to me very carefully. If you can't keep a godly testimony and stay in that institution, then you find, then you find you a ditch to dig. Amen. And you get you a PhD, a post hole digger, and you be a moral clean PhD. Amen. But listen, no degree from any institution, secular, Christian, wherever, is worth you losing your testimony. And by the way, let me say this. Just because you're going to a Christian education has is no guarantee that you're not going to lose your testimony. In fact, it's easier for you to lose your testimony at a Christian institution than otherwise. You know why? You have a false sense of security. I'm in Bible class. I go to chapel. I'm in a good church. And let me tell you something, you, 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 you're not spiritual because you sit in a good church. You're spiritual because you yourself walk with God. Don't trade your walk with God for a diploma. Don't trade your parents' confidence and trust for a new friend. Don't trade the will of God for a job. Oh, listen, how many times, how many times I saw it happen. I saw it happen. Some young man who surrendered his life to serve the Lord got dollar signs. He went somewhere and got a good job. Now, listen, nothing wrong with having a good job. Praise God. If God gives you a good job, that's wonderful. But don't get started. If you're call- I'm talking to young people called tonight. You understand this? If God has called you to serve Him, don't get your eyes on the dollar bill. Don't get your eyes on the dollar bill. You get your eyes on the dollar bill, God won't be able to trust you with it. It's not money that's evil. It's the love of money. 
And if you, listen, you, you, you do what you need to do, but you keep your eyes on the prize and you prepare yourself to do what God has called you to do. I said this, let me say it again. Don't trade your parents' confidence and trust for a new friend, for a flashy new friend. By the way, young people, listen to me carefully. Your parents should never find out that you have a friend. Did you hear what I said? Listen, let me say it again. Your parents should never find out that you have a friend. Your parents should never find out from someone else that you have a friend. I'm not talking about boyfriend, girlfriend. I'm, I'm talking about that too. But any friend. Look, if you have a good friend, why wouldn't you want to tell your mom and dad about that? Do you hear me? If you don't want your mom and dad to know about that, then something's already rotten in Denmark. Something already smells fishy about that thing. You ought to bring them in. Healthy friendships will always bring you closer to the healthy friendships you, uh, relationships you already have. They will enhance the relationships that you have. I'm thinking right now of a situation, and uh, and I can tell this with uh, with uh, uh, anonymity. But a dear lady was in a broken situation and just needy and. I don't mean that critically. Needy and Ms. Shook especially was there for her and we were there in council, council, council and just trying to help her get through a very difficult situation and always, always come and, and we pray and so forth like that. And then one Sunday we didn't see her and I thought, and I said, uh, so-and-so at church? Yeah. And it was abrupt. And I thought to myself, hmm, she must have met someone. Now, you don't have to tell me all your business. But if you're ringing my wife's phone off the hook every other day because you need help, and all of a sudden there's phone, we're not asking the phone to ring every other day. Okay, please understand this. <laughs> then all of a sudden it dries up because you're talking to somebody. You're probably talking to somebody you shouldn't be talking to. Because if you had some wisdom, you'd ring the phone and say, Mrs. Pastor's wife, I, I met a nice person, and you'd want her to know. And the fact you don't want to tell somebody is already fishy. Now, young people, listen to me. If there's a healthy friendship in your life, a healthy interest in your life, you talk to your mom and dad. <laughs> Tell them. Tell them. Include them. Amen? Yeah, let me say this. Let me say two more things. Number seven. Young people, listen carefully to what I'm going to say. If you ever get in a bad situation and have to leave where you are you can always come home if you ever get in a bad situation and have to leave where you are you can come home by the way you can come home without judgment we're not going to put you in an inquisition we're not going to No, we're going to love you. That's what we're going to do. I've watched some folks make mistakes here. I'm thinking about a fine young man who's in our youth group many, many, many years ago. And we have reestablished our relationship. And uh, and I hear from him. Uh, We we, uh, Most of the time we text back and forth. I don't know, maybe a dozen times a year. So we have reestablished our relationship. And I'm thankful for that. But he, he surrendered his life to the Lord's service. And he's a good man. I'm so thankful, and I believe he's in church. I, as far as I know, in church regularly. And I'm, 
I'm thankful for that. But, but he didn't fulfill his call. But here's what happened. He, he found a little girl. He didn't want to tell anybody about her. And the thing, she wasn't a bad girl. She's a good girl. But uh, anyway, that thing got going too fast. And uh, they took off. Didn't want to tell anybody where they were going. Now, young people, listen. Um, if you get yourself in trouble, don't run from the people who love you. Don't run from the people who love you. If you get yourself in trouble, it's okay. We're not going to tar and feather you. We're going to love you. We're going to help you. Amen? That's what God does. God looks down. When we make a mess of something, He looks down and He says, Now, that was dumb. Let's let's make the best of this. Amen? Listen, we we don't excommunicate people around here. Uh, we, I tell you what we do do sometimes. Uh, we preach communicate people sometimes. I just made up a word. Some people don't like the heat, the preaching. They just leave on their own. But we don't excommunicate anybody. You understand me? If you're hurting, if you're broken, if you made some kind of mistake or something, you come back and listen. We will love you. How many of you here, you're, you're, you're a layman in this church, and you, you, you and your family, you've got a job, you're making a living, but you love this church, you're a member of this church, you come to this church, you attend this church, and what I'm saying right now makes sense to you. It's like, of course, Pastor, if somebody went off and they was going to prepare for ministry, and they did something dumb and they had to leave, of course we would love them. How many, how many of you agree with what I'm saying? Would you say amen? amen? Young people, did you hear that? Did you, hear, did you just hear that? It's not going to be a place of judgment. You go out, listen, you go off. I don't care. Listen, I don't care how far you go. I don't care how much time you spend in the hog pen. As soon as you come to the end of yourself and turn yourself to the Father's house and come heading toward the house, we collectively, as God's people, are going to come and run and greet you and say, we're so glad to see you. Amen. You got a place to come back to. Amen. One last thing. Look at verse number 3. Here's what he said. Thou therefore, I'm 2 Timothy 2, verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Young people, listen. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Now don't you convince yourself, listen... You're going to get out there, some of you get out there, and, and you're going to find out life is hard. You think, oh, well, I'm trying to serve the Lord. I'm trying to do this. Uh, let me tell you something, brother. It, just life is hard. I don't care if you're going to go work at McDonald's or you're going to go to college or you're secular or Christian or wherever you go. Life is hard. Amen. Life is just hard. So guess what? The Bible said it's good for a man to, uh, uh, to bear the yoke in his youth. Amen? Yes, it's good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. And so you face that hardship. The experience is good for you. You say, well, I'm going to be going to class. I'm going to be working. Listen, when I, when, I, when I met my wife, she was working about $150 a week. She was a, she was a secretary. And, and she didn't get paid much at all. And she worked overtime, unpaid overtime. She wanted to. She wanted to get her work done. And she couldn't make ends meet, so she took a paper route. And she was up but every time, 4 o'clock or something like that in the morning, and running a paper out, and then going to the office, and working full-time, and then working over, unpaid, and then working a bus route on the weekend, 
I'm going to tell you something. Do you know one reason why this church is... One reason why that God has blessed this ministry is because the pastor's wife is godly and she's a worker. She's a worker. And young people, listen, life is not... If you want to, I don't care what you want to do. I don't care if you want to be in ministry. I don't care if you want to build a business. I don't care what you, if you want to be a champion, champion tiddlywink player. God never used a lazy gal or a lazy guy. Never. He used ex-terrorists like the Apostle Paul. He used wicked people completely far from God whose life was destroyed. But God has never used a lazy individual. Amen. You say, well, it's hard. Suck it up, buttercup. It's called life. And you need to endure. Let's stand together. Father, we love you.